Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM, channel 127. Welcome to Progress After Dark. Welcome to Tell Me Everything, bringing good trouble to the right-wing bubble. I'm John Fugel saying, Chris Hauselt, our executive producer, Thea Harper, producing this monster out of Brooklyn. We are so glad you guys are with us. For the next three hours, we'll be reachable at 866-997-4748. 997 grit tonight. Just want to play a really quick clip. Here's uh, Donald Trump. He took time from his civil fraud trial in New York City to regurgitate his witch hunt bullshit. Give a give a listen. This. Thank you very much, everybody, and uh, we appreciate you being here. This is a witch hunt, the likes of which probably nobody has ever seen. We put on a case that is absolutely 100 percent. There's not a judge in the country that wouldn't have given us a total victory, but. There's not a judge in the country that would have even taken this case. This is a witch hunt, and it's a very corrupt trial. Ah, it's great he has new material, isn't it? Also, uh, here's a quick little clip. We were talking earlier in the week about uh, how James Comer wants Hunter Biden to come testify, but only behind closed doors, not in front. They've been talking about Hunter Biden on TV for years. Hunter Biden finally says, I'll come testify on TV. And suddenly they're terrified. Here's Congressman Dan Goldman telling our good friend Nyara Hawk on Sirius XM POTUS why Comer only wants Hunter behind closed doors. I can tell you firsthand that when Republicans come out of these closed depositions, they do not properly represent what the witnesses have testified to. And Hunter Biden's lawyer seems to understand that and does not want to put his client through that same manipulation um, and uh, misinformation campaign that the Republicans have been doing. And so he wants to speak directly to the American people under oath, answer any question that they have. And the notion that Jim Jordan, of all people, who defied a congressional subpoena himself and refused to testify publicly or privately, 
would threaten to hold someone eager and willing to comply with a subpoena in a public hearing before the American people with contempt of Congress is shameful. Boom. Let's get back to the phones. We're at 866-997-4748. We're going to get to everybody tonight. 866-997-GRIT. And our own Theo Harper joins us later in the hour with the Minority Report. Rich in Indiana. Thanks for being so patient on hold. You're on progress. Oh, you're welcome. And thanks for letting me jump right in. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. I had a light bulb moment that went, why didn't I know this before? And it has to do with the passing of Henry Kissinger and me remembering how Bob Dylan passed on his Nobel Award. And I have... Well, he didn't pass on it. Bob Dylan didn't pass on his his Nobel Award. I mean, he... he, Tell me how it went, please. Uh, Oh, shoot. Man. All right. I think he he accepted it, but he just didn't... He he did accept it. He just... He did it his own way, the and they, the Nobel Committee was very angry. He, he wouldn't do the ceremony. He sent he sent uh, Patty right. Smith to sing in his place. He did eventually show up uh, wearing a hoodie okay. to receive it, but he didn't he didn't speak or or and he he issued his speech well, uh, as a video. You he know, never actually did the did the ritual. All right, thank thank you for that clarification because you know I I was really uh, bummed that he had sacrificed something uh, as important as that is as, a, as this acknowledgement for his contribution. The thing well, that I believed was that he was a protest about Henry Kissinger's acceptance of that. Well, that was that was Le Duc That was the North Vietnamese diplomat, Le Duc Tho, because both he and Kissinger negotiated to end the war in Vietnam, and both men shared the Nobel Peace Prize 50 years ago, but uh, Tho uh, refused to be part of it because he knew what a joke it was. They were giving it to Kissinger, so he's the one who actually refused his Nobel Peace Prize because the other guy they were giving it to was... That that little bit that I I did understand, that that was the history that I had because it was supposed to be this joint thing and the North Vietnam representative said, hey, no. And yeah. the, the reason out of that was that the man who had the power to end war, uh, Henry Kissinger, did not end the war. It went on for how yeah. many more years? I mean, the people well, and he expanded it. He, ex- he expanded it to Cambodia, and by the time things were yeah. done, an extra two, two and a half million people killed. Half a million killed because of the bombings, the secret bombings that right. Kissinger specifically authorized, which then led to the Khmer Rouge Revolution, which killed two million more. Right. So the the thing about Kissinger was that. This this bill and I had these these breadcrumbs that that sort of suddenly congealed into this. God damn it! And it <laughs> begins with Kissinger as a uh, military intelligence asset. After uh, the war, he's in Germany, mm-hmm. and uh, he is in. He's basically in this environment where the Marshall Plan is funding actions that generate the CIA out of the op- the Office of Strategic Services, the OSS. Mm. Yes. And so there he is as this, this workaholic, busy bee, doing the good job for military intelligence, and he ends up um, with a little personal coup of 
uh, grabbing up a ring of Gestapo officers. And it's like yeah. his own personal paperclip rogues intelligence uh, success. And so the thing that you can line up here as this string of ideas is okay. that there he is, and he's going to have seen Reinhard Galen. And he's also going to have seen Otto Scorzani. And Reinhard Galen ends up becoming this CIA asset that gets set up in Switzerland as okay. the Galen Org. Okay. And we get led by the nose by this guy with lies throughout the whole Cold War. And Otto Scorzani is this monster that we are like directing into South America and first he's uh, working for yep. Argentina and then he's working for Chile and Pinochet. You know, torturers and, need help. Torturers need all the help they can get. Oh, man. I mean, Rich, I gotta, is, I gotta run, my brother. All... I, gotta, I gotta run, but I all thank right. you for the call. And again, I think my favorite thing of the night now is going to be imagining Bob Dylan refusing his Nobel because of Henry Kissinger. I think I like your story better than the reality. Have a great evening and I thank you for the brilliant call. 866-997-GRIT. Tim in Chicago, thank you for waiting. You're on Progress. Welcome. Hi, John. So good to be talking to you again. Uh, so I wanted to, uh, well, first of all, I, I love uh, your your panel with the, uh, have you decided on a name, the indigenous We're tossing names back and forth, but it's got to be good. You know, the God Squad, they had theirs right away. Others, you take time to make sure it's the right name. Okay. Well, uh, I just, I, I want to make a point that I love Simon's bluntness. I think any activist yeah. cause, they just need to have that tough love voice. You know, they need to I smack agree. people upside the proverbial head and say, knock it off. Okay. I did want to call in and, and talk to them about uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. And uh, since I'm a lifelong fan, but uh, since I missed them, uh, I will try again at some other point. So, yeah, we'll be next Thursday. This, okay. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, so on this call, I just wanted to say that uh, with Mike Johnson, which I love how you say uh, Trump's little dick. Um, <laughs> That's not what I say. Really, Trump's dirty little overexposed little Johnson. I'm much more wholesome than what you said, but go on, please. Oh, come on. Serious. Come on. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but uh, what I, what really triggered me when he first uh, accepted the, uh, the nomination and then he was in kind of a, a gaggle of press reporters outside the Capitol, and uh, some reporter asked him about his role in, uh, you know, the lawsuits to overturn the election. And that little gremlin uh, congresswoman, uh, Virginia Fox, I guess yes, what her name was. that's the one. yelling, shut up, shut up. And yep. that reporter did not did not respond at all. You know, and I'm sorry, but if I had been that reporter's shoes, I would have channeled my inner Sam Jackson, pointed my finger at that little troll's face and said, I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. <laughs> and, you know, what really what really pissed me off about it and what really, you know, in, in a holistic sense was basically there are some other reporters that just don't seem to have a spine. And, uh, for yes. example, Jim Acosta was routinely humiliated by Kelly uh, uh, Conway, who just, she made it a point to drag him through the coals and all he would do is yeah. say, excuse me, ma'am, and this, that, like, it's like enough is enough. Like I understand well, in all our jobs, like we got we got to fight on tongue. that. Acosta well, cashed in on that very nicely. And he, look, it's a level of decorum. The problem with our military, with our military, the problem with our media now is <laughs> they've traded information for access. I've learned this from the first well, yeah, but They're see, terrified if they, if they ask I, a hard I, I question. Before, but, if they ask a hard question, they'll never get a booking. Bullshit. Yeah, but you know what? I'm going to have to call bullshit on that whole explanation because here's the thing. 
I really genuinely feel that these, this Congress especially, uh, they need the media more than the media needs them. Because so I many agree. of these politicians, they don't want to do the work, especially on the right, but also on the left to, to a degree. Uh, you know, uh, they don't want to do the work. So they just want to make a hoop and holler on the floor. And then they want to go and find the closest camera. I mean, I think it was Rick Wilson uh, who yeah. said the most dangerous place on, on the hill is between Lindsey Graham and a camera. That's right. And, uh, which is very true. Um, and, and, and so, you know, if these reporters start just, you know, standing up for themselves, because Fox News, they only have so much primetime hours to give. So, I mean, that's why you see, uh, what's his name, James Comer, who just humiliated yep. himself on NBC. All the time. All the time. Uh, you know, they have to go to these, these outlets. And so I think these reporters, they would actually get more viral moments if they actually, you know, did this thing called journalism and <laughs> called these people to the carpet. All these people to uh, you know to to be accounting accounting for what they've done and what they've said, and yet yeah, you know what if they can't handle it and they say okay I'm not doing any more interviews, you fine take the next person in line. There are over a hundred yeah. of you. Yeah, and, but uh, you know how you it know, is. Journalists, and, and, and journalists, what those people do they all start seeing their donations go drip, drip, drip down, down, down because they are not know. as full frontal. So, but right? also I mean, journalists, you, you've seek... been there. You, let, let me know your thoughts. Okay, journalists seek truth. Media seeks ratings. Prompter monkeys seek fame. Where when we talk about the journalists, it's only a very small slice of who we're actually talking about, right? Like a lot of these right. people don't care. Maybe the ones who do, may you rest in power. Yeah, right. Well, and, and Mehdi Hassan, I hope, will still continue to do great guest hosting on MSNBC. I mean, yeah. I'm glad he's still on yeah. the channel. It's all kind of screwy. He hasn't said anything against them yet. So, you know, I don't know what's going on there. But it, the media right. needs Trump. The media needs villains. Why do you think, you know, growing up, all the Christian people I talk to always lament how growing up, all we ever saw of Christianity on the news was Jerry Falwell and Pat Robertson. They were decent Christian people. It's not a surprise. The media needs villains. The media knows Trump is a villain. The media doesn't like Trump. They like the ratings, and they will take but their they villain. The, they also need the heroes to vanquish the villains. They need the people. The media to doesn't need that. Into the carpet. I mean, oh, if there's a good story, I, they'll go for it. Media's only bias well, is I, to ratings. So if a hero helps them or a villain helps them, that's what they'll chase down. Well, I think that's what they'll need is a hero. Uh, because, I mean, look across the pond. I mean, everyone says, oh, you can't be mean to these politicians. We'll lose access. The European journalists, compared to American journalists, which is a very low bar, they drive yeah. their politicians through the coals. I mean, I think uh, sure Clinton I did, a, did an interview uh, right before or right after the 2016 election with an Irish outlet. And she went in there thinking it was just going to be another, you know, uh, session of softballs and, you know, what's it like to be a woman, you know, fighting. And this Irish uh, reporter uh, dragged her, you know, across the, you know, the nails. And I've never seen her so, you know, you know, just flustered. It was it was yeah. glorious. In the well, um, well, even even what you see on CNN International is a world's different from what you see on domestic CNN. And, you know, it's just because of Fareed Zakaria, Christiane Amanpour, and yes. even yeah. Richard Quest, even Richard, for, to an extent, they, they do. You're right. And that's what made Mehdi Hassan so great was that yes. he brought that European British style of interviewing yes. to the American audience, which, which you know, uh, you know, was Piers Morgan-ish, but they went on different paths. Yeah, very true. Very true. If I may borrow uh, a quote, preach. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tim. It's good to hear from Thank you. Please you stay warm in Chicago. Okay. 866-997-4748. Let me go to Brian in Oregon. Hello, Brian. Thank you for your patience. Uh, great calls. In, uh, 
uh, great with uh, Simon and Julie. Those two are fabulous. But then about Texas, John, I'm thinking back to your uh, opening rant. I'm starting to think that the, a lot of these women, can they judge shop? And I think this is a lot needs to be confronted as a religious uh, tyranny. And I think that, you know, how they, they judge shop that wingnut in the Fifth Circuit for their phony, uh, oh, God, the, the abortion pill yeah. stuff. And that was all, like, hypothetical stuff. But I'm thinking maybe uh, there should be some cases brought again. I'm thinking the state of Texas needs to be at least civilly or criminally prosecuted for religious tyranny uh, for on their citizens. And I think it should be... Well, religious uh, tyranny is not a crime. I mean, we'd have to have be a bit more specific uh, well, about it. But I get, I get where you're going with it. But, I mean, it's not going to happen in Texas. You, how would you fight something like that? I just individually you're you're uh, shitting on my religious freedom i mean it, it's a, on a case-by-case basis isn't it i would i would hope not necessarily i mean because uh, all there's so much of this religious fraud going to the civil to the supreme court and i know uh, and like it's all fraud and wingnuts uh software or website designer i mean that was all bullshit mm-hmm yeah and it was all the, that was complete bullshit designing the yeah. cake designing and uh, the whole... I mean, the, but the, you, this is my issue that gets me crazy, because the media never asks the right questions. You know, they always say, oh, my religion, my religion, and the media never says, God damn it, where does Jesus tell you to treat gay people like they're untouchable lepers? Where does your religion specifically tell you you can't make a goddamn cake for a tax-paying citizen whose taxes built the electrical grid and roads upon which your business depends? It's discrimination, and they keep trying to p- say that somehow religious freedom means the freedom to pretend Jesus hates the same people I hate and the media lets him get away with it. No one has ever, no journalist has ever called Mike Pence out in an interview for how anti-Christ his Christian policies are. Oh, no. And the whole thing is just, so why then couldn't the couple who didn't get their wedding cake done have countersued the the asshole, the baker? They should. and that's what I would have done. That's just I would have shaken my cane at the assholes and said, "You, you wait and see. We'll see you at the Supreme Court." But yeah, um, yeah, I'm and, right with you. Uh, I'd I'd, I'd it, sue it, them it, all. Just, yeah, and just on the on a on a side, um, you also mentioned stem cells. Yes, I I uh, was part of a stem cell uh, phase one trial FDA thing for my for one of my eyes. Yeah, and uh, 2007, and you know and that one, and that went on to I think to help. They were then going from studying retinitis pigmentosa with that to um, macular degeneration, and uh, so yeah. there's a lot of potential for stem cells. Mm. I yeah, well, I mean, I agree. They said, listen, me. my dad, when my dad had heart disease, I, you know, my, my father couldn't walk anymore and he was confined to a wheelchair. And my parents wound up going to Bangkok, Thailand for a stem cell treatment that was done uh, in association with, with some Israeli doctors. They harvested stem cells from my father's own blood and put them on his heart to try to grow new arteries. My dad went there in a wheelchair and within a few months he was walking two miles a day. So Boy, I'm a amazing. big believer. Yeah, I'm a big believer yeah. in this. And it gave, it, they said he would live another year. He lived another five years. So it's Boy, obviously early in the days of I the technology, of but like that. that happened yeah. to my dad. Happened yeah. to my dad. It didn't do much for, 
it didn't do anything for me. I think my retinas were so toast. But it was more of a you know safety for it's not going to get out of the retinal blood uh, barrier. And, and Brian, I, it's, yeah. it's my greatest hope that they're still going to make more advances. Who knows what they'll be able oh, to do God. five, ten years me from now? Me too. Yeah. Yeah, you deserve it. My friend, thank you very much for calling. It's a pleasure to hear from you. You class up this show all the time. We're at 866-997-4748. One more call before the break. Uh, Beachside Bill, welcome. You're in Florida. Happy Pearl Harbor Day. Evening, John. Happy Pearl Harbor Day to you, too. I was thinking, um, I visited there several times, and it's very humbling, very surreal. You know, when you see the, Mm -hmm. if you've ever been there, out at the Arizona, when when the uh, diesel fuel still still, uh, turns up out of the water, and they say when the last is six surviving uh, uh, members of the Arizona left, or six of Pearl Harbor, and when they go, the the fuel will finally stop. So so the legend is. I was thinking of Julie and Simon. I came out of the gate first with them. Remember the night after they first came on. So I always mm-hmm. take credit for that. But I was thinking of the uh, the code talkers, the American Indian code talkers during in World, World War, War II. Two. Yeah. yeah. And and just just the, the the contribution they gave, and they never really got the recognition until years later, you know. And there's only well, as of July 22, there was only three left. And I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, but that amazing contribution. I, I would have loved it. Maybe next week you can have them talk about them because the code. It, it, it's just sure. fascinating how they 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 helped. They yeah. helped us in World War II. What do you think? Amazingly, I think so too. I mean, John Woo made a made a pretty good movie about that with Nicolas Cage back in the day. But you're exactly right. I mean, we never talk about the fact that African Americans and Native Americans helped us win World War II. We just they're not in the movies. They're not represented, and yet consistently, one of the greatest gifts this country has failed to appreciate are the marginalized peoples who keep going into the military service to risk their lives for a country that refuses to appreciate them. Exactly. I know we don't have much time, but quickly, I want to get to space. There's a launch this weekend, John. You know, the uh, it's called the Mini Shuttle. It's the uh, uh, SpaceX. It's going to be on SpaceX, a heavy launch. The X-37B, it's like a Mini Shuttle, and it flies around for a couple of years. You ever seen it? It's, it's no. for the military. It's yeah. top secret, yeah. It's it's launching this weekend. It's, it's it, You can Google it. It's the uh, X-37B. It's the orbital test vehicle. And it's launching. It's, they've launched several of them over the years, but they're very top secret. But they're like okay. mini space shuttles, and you, you can no see one knows what they do. do. Like, can, this is the very secretive space yeah. plane, right? This is going up uh, later this week. It's going up Sunday, yeah. So, so it's it's top top secret military. Yet they've released all these videos. You can see them, and it's fascinating because it, it flies low. Uh, it, 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 it it flies low in low Earth orbit, and it, it you know whatever the rate, whatever it's checking, yeah. you know it has up to date. And it's been doing it since at least a decade now. They've That's flown it seven times. Launch here. They've, they've, I mean, it's a space. It's a plane that goes into space, and they have launched it seven times that we know of. And it's very secretive, yeah. and I'm I'm sure it's been a lot more times than that. Well, I'll have it out on TikTok because I get them all right here. I'm, I'll be right here Sunday, and, and you know they they normally they'll give you a day's notice with a launch, you know, within the window. This is like, you know, within within a couple of hours, I have to, you know, keep, you know, checking the website and make sure, you know, because that's yeah, one of well, those I mean, things. I, well, I mean, that's how powerful we are. We now have space launches we don't promote. I, I, I'm with you. When my parents lived in Florida, I used to be able to see space shuttles take off from the front yard. It was always amazing to see. And uh, 
I'd love to see one of these. It certainly is a cool-looking aircraft, or spacecraft, I should say. Hey, Bill, thank you so very much. It's great to hear from you. Thanks, John. We'll talk soon. Yeah, take care. Thank you. We'll have a very quick break. We'll be right back with more of your calls and the great Thea Harper with the Minority Report right here on Sirius XM Progress. Don't go anywhere. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. I'm John Fugel saying this is Sirius XM Progress. You know, last night's Republican debate was uh, hosted by Megyn Kelly, who, of course, became very famous a couple years ago when she said, uh, sorry, kids, but Santa is white and so is Jesus. Never mind the fact that Jesus is not white. Uh, even the Bible says that. Um, Santa's not white either. But boy, it was really important of Megyn Kelly, journalist, to say that on the news. I've always believed that Santa's not white or black, that he's actually Chinese, because that's where all the presents are made. But what to make of these Republicans who are so insistent on saying this fictional character can only be white? For more, let's go to the great Thea Harper and the Minority Report. All's my life I has to fight All's my life I Hard times like yeah Bad trips like yeah Nazareth I'm f***ed up homie you f***ed up But if God got us then we gon' be alright We gon' be alright We gon' be alright Everybody on your feet for our producer Thea Harper Thea welcome back to the airwaves Hey John Hi, I'm so glad that you want to talk about this story because every year when I would take my little one to Macy's, I always mm-hmm. loved that when you go to see Santa, you have the option on the long line of saying what kind of Santa you want to see. So yeah. non-white families can get a non-white Santa, whoever, whatever you want. White families can get a non-white Santa if they ask. And I always thought it was so well done. It's amazing to me that we're still seeing people who think it's really important that Santa always be portrayed as white, and they never think about the effect that has on non-white kids. Right, right. Um, And this article is really interesting that I came across on NBC News. It was just, you know, talking about the importance of Black Santas and um, the importance for children to see it. Um, I know for me, growing up, that's not something... I saw often um, Mm -hmm. and I know it was always important for like for us to even, you know, even have like a black angel on the Christmas tree, stuff like that. Right. But yeah, but this article, you know, really like one mom talks about how, you know, how Old Navy was one of the first places she found black Santa pajamas. 
and like she she purchased like this year you could purchase the same set of pajamas in three different hues uh beige walnut (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, well, it's it's just we we tell these kids there's this magical person there, and this right. magical person with these magical powers who makes the world so much more wonderful, but he doesn't look like you. And mm-hmm. it, like I think it's very easy for the nicest of my fellow Caucasians to take for granted how isolating that can feel for people, and that that why doesn't every kid deserve a chance to see that? Oh no, wait, these magical Santas can be just like me as well. I mean, my God, it's a fictional character. Who cares what his color is? If you're fixating on dying on that hill, I, I don't even, I, I don't even can't imagine what Christmas is like in your house. Right, and then also the article talks about you know they share a bunch of stories, but they also talk about the psychological research that shows that role models yeah, yeah so it shows that role models who reflect the child's identity that reflect the child's identity experience have a positive impact upon the development of self-esteem which leads to improved academic performance self-confidence and mental wellness and it's, this is so true because i mean not to like bring up my childhood again but like no, i please. remember i remember growing up how and um my godmother like stressing, this has not, nothing to do with Santa, but stressing the importance of me playing with black Barbie dolls. Right. Um, yeah. You know, Barbie is supposed to be the symbol of empowerment for young girls. So it was definitely important for me to have black bar- black Barbie dolls for, for my self-esteem as a child. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yet we accept that with Barbies. <laughs> but with but with Santa, it makes people feel threatened. This is a piece, by the way, in NBC News called Why Parents Say Black Santas Are Important for Children to See. And, and one of the experts says Santa Claus is magical, generous, benevolent, holds every person as special and unique. What child would not benefit from an image of themselves reflected in such a being? It's okay. it's so simple, Thea, and yet it's so hard for people to get. It really is. It's 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 crazy, but I'm just glad that we're starting to see that see that change a bit because I know for me that's not something I saw um, yeah. growing up. So I'm I'm really happy that you know we're starting to see more. I think I think it was uh yeah at Macy's it says now you you also have the option to select a Spanish speaking Santa. I was going to ask about that. What about our Latino <laughs> brothers and sisters who want? I mean, his name is Santa after all. You'd think that they have a, a, a Santa who's fluent in Espanol for such a huge portion of the population. Right. Wow. To me, this is just like no different than trying to cast a bigger net, trying to make the holidays a time of love and inspiration and acceptance for as many people as possible. To me, this is like when you say happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas, because you're trying to wish goodwill to as many people as possible. I would love to see (laughs) black Santas and Latin Santas. Uh, I mean, my God, we'll get to a gay Santa at some point. Why not? Yeah, Um, I want to see all of it. I I agree. I'm right there with you. Muslim (laughs) Santa. Why? Why not? Let's take up. Let's get let's get a Hindu Santa. I mean, to me, it just seems like another sign that very, very slowly some of us are getting it more and more. And we're trying more and more to make an America where children feel like they are seen. Yeah. What's giving you hope, Thea? What's giving me hope? Uh, yeah, right you're at the now. holidays. Yeah. It's Stephen from Kentucky, right? That's I know that's Stephen in Kentucky, answer. definitely. All, no, I'm just hope. honestly, what's giving me hope? I don't know. I just honestly feel I'm very grateful um, and just feeling very, very blessed, you know, for my family and yeah. um, 
Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't think that answers your question, but no, it does. It that's does. Where I, I can... That's where I am right now. I know uh, there's a lot of craziness going on in the world right now, but there are some um, amazing people out there. I agree. We do this show here at What the Hell O'Clock every night, and I am always so grateful that I, I get to work with the most dangerous team in radio of you and Chris. <laughs> Seriously, you guys make this job so much better for me, and I thank you for it. And, and thank you for this great, really inspiring story tonight. Again, this is on NBC News, Why Parents Say Black Santas Are Important for Children to See. It's something else that a lot of very nice white people would just never think about. So right. thank you very much. You're the best. Thank you, John. Thea Harper, everybody. We are at 866-997-4748. Gritch, do we still have Stephen in Kentucky on line seven? Stephen, welcome. You're on progress. Hello. How are you this evening? Um, outstanding, sir. How are you? I'm doing all right. Do you have Al Jarreau's Christmas song? You were playing Christmas songs before? Yes, we have played Al Jarreau's Christmas song in the past. We haven't played it tonight. Oh, I just adore that. That's one of my yes. favorites, actually. What a singer. What a great voice. And when you were playing Christmas songs, that's what it reminded me of. I do want to give a shout-out to one of your birthday uh, recipients tonight, Ellen Burstyn. Yes. And I happen to love Miss Burstyn myself. Me I hope too. she's listening tonight. I hope so, I too. To I wanted to ask her about something, actually. I would love for her to enlighten us about this. I saw the movie Resurrection. Mm -hmm. and did you ever see that by chance? Uh, Barbara Hershey in that one? No, 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 honey. This was from 1980, okay. and Miss Burstyn financed this film independently. Yes, okay, yes. And it okay, was based yes. on the true story of when this woman was in a car accident and she received healing after that. Yes, she yes, yes. others miraculously. Yes, yeah, Sam Shepard's in this movie, right? Uh, yes, and Ava yes, Legallion uh, was in it as well. She got a supporting actress nod for that, as well as Miss Burston for support uh, for best actress, rather. And I forgot the name of that woman because Mitch was just calling a few moments ago. You all were talking about stem cell research. Yes, and actually, that woman that Miss Burston portrayed actually has a, to my knowledge, a. Um, Oh, I can't think of any. It's a clinic or something that deals with these issues. They deal with the auras of the person. Really? It's an alternative health care. Maybe yes. Mitch might want to look into that. And, and if he's listening, dear, another thing that might help you, I, I don't know if you're open to this, but I do prayers, too. And if you look on Catholic Healing Prayers for Overcoming Serious Illness, there's a prayer called the Creative Miracle Prayer, and I've been doing it for five years, and it's helped me get back on my path. Right so on. maybe it might help you with that, too. I don't know what your situation is. But I did want to just mention that after uh, you all were talking uh, well, about that you. a little bit ago. Miss, uh, Miss Burston, though, yes, I think didn't I love she her. win the Tony for same time next year? Is that right? Is that what she won it for? I mean, I know she won the Oscar for the Martin Scorsese film. I may be wrong about that, but because I, I covered her a birthday tribute several years ago, and I think I remember hearing that um, that she won the Tony for that in 1975. She yes. was in the film version with Alan Alda, but I believe it was Charles Grodin who was... Yes, same time, same time next year is when she won it, 1975, yes. And, you know, I mean, that was one of the greatest honors of her life leading up to the ultimate honor when she she got to be on this show and meet TV's Frank. 
Well, yeah, and and you know, actually, I think she worked with Diane Ladd a couple of times. I have a friend who knows Miss Ladd, and I just think she's adorable. I do. She is. And um, yeah, she. I know she just celebrated a birthday. I believe November the twenty ninth, if memory serves correct. But you know, a lot of people don't talk about her show that she did in in the nineteen eighties on ABC. Do you remember that the Ellen Burstyn show with Elaine Stritch playing her mother and N- Megan Mullally? No. Playing her. What what TV show did Ellen Burstyn do in the eighties? I, I wasn't watching a lot of it TV was, back then. Well, it was. I remember this because I was a child. I won't tell you how old I am, but I remember watching it when I broke my leg. It was on ABC for a brief time, and it was in 1986. She played a, a professor of literature um, no in ba- Baltimore, I believe. And Elaine. It's, liter- it's literally called the Ellen Burstyn Show. She had a fabulous wardrobe. Oh, the, <laughs> that's the Ellen Burstyn Show. Oh, that that was a sitcom, right? Yes. Uh huh. It oh, certainly with Elaine Stritch as her mother. Yes. Okay. And Megha Mullally was her daughter, I believe, and then she had a student, a male student, who was also kind of one of the characters, the main characters on the show. It didn't last very long, it didn't. It was, I remember just one episode where the, where the little boy's dog had puppies or something, and Elaine Stritch, you know how she I'll was. I'll tell you, I, I don't know, but I will tell you that I will always say, till the day I die, that Ellen Burstyn deserved the Academy Award in the year 2000 for Requiem for a Dream. And it is one of the craziest oversights in the history of that, because the film's extremely dark and her performance is unspeakably bleak. But when you see a woman of her age doing a performance that crazy dark, I mean, fearless in how she just explored madness in that movie. She's such a great artist. And she's beautiful, too. She was 86 when she came on this show, and I just gushed over her. Well, Ellen also was, uh, or Ed, I believe her real name was Edna. I, I don't remember all the way, but I do remember mentioning, though, that she was very active in the women's movement in the 70s. And I know at one time in 1975, when they were trying to get all the Best Actress nominees together, they put Louise Fletcher in the Best Actress when she should have been Best mm. Supporting Actress. That's right. And I know Ellen talked about boycotting that category, I believe, at that time. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, I remember her uh, raising awareness for that. But I, I actually loved the show Alice. I did. And, yes. Uh, oh, because that was Lampin. based on I, I don't know if that ever, was based on the ever, movie that Ellen Burstyn won an Oscar for. You're saying? Yes. Yes. Did yes. they ever? Alice doesn't live here anymore. Did they approach her about playing that role back then on television on the CBS sitcom? I don't think they would have done that, but you never know. I'm sure she would have. Well, I know Marsha Mason, though, from what I gather, she was one of the one, and Lee Grant was another one who was considered for the knew. role on One Day at a Time. And Romano, I, did you know you, that? You know, you have left me in the pop culture dust many blocks behind you. I have no idea about any of this, but I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm sure Anna, it's very tricky to get an Academy Award-winning actor to recreate the role for a for a sitcom. Well, Good it can trying. be, but I. It can be, but I think at the same time, though, too, I guess it depends, you know, on the person and where they are in their career at that time as well. Of course, I know it's Lee true. Grant had her own show at that around that time that didn't Fair last enough. very long. It was Fade. Do you remember that in the 70s? I swear to God, I don't know. I was in diapers. Audra I'm Lindley. sorry, I don't. Audra Lindley co-starred with her in that. and Oh, I loved Audra Lindley. But I yeah, bow down to your that. pop culture expertise on this one. I, you, you and Mitch are just going to shame me tonight. Stephen, I got to run, but I thank you for the Oh, go okay. Ahead. Yeah, I got to no, run, I'm but thank you so much. Oh, go ahead. Finish your thought. 
uh, Biden impeachment, I yes. called James Comer's office myself. You need to get your friend Stephanie Rule to ask him why it is he's hiding behind. Well, we don't take those questions from our office. Well, excuse me. My tax dollars are footing the bill for this monstrosity. I want to know what the hell's going on. And if he doesn't <laughs> like it, he can kiss my ass. I don't care. Okay. I'm glad we made I, it political at the end. I red, white, and blue as I'm going to get at this point, because the fact is, we deserve to know what's going on. I have not seen any credible evidence thus far that links this president with any sort of villainy at all. Of course all. it doesn't. They don't care. They don't care. They have nothing to offer non-millionaires well, well, except umbrage. Right no, now, they don't care. care. Because I tell you They'll what, next year, it. if they impeach him during an election, it's going to come back to bite them. They seem to forget still about not Bill Clinton. I tell you well, this, if, if somehow Joe Biden, if Joe, if Joe Biden announced tomorrow that he wasn't going to run for president again, they would lose all interest in Hunter Biden's crimes because they hope, don't well, let care. Me just say this before they I go, only John. care about power. They don't care about ideology or morality or policy. It's only their own power. Really quick, because we got to hit well, a break. Let me just say this before I go. You know, the fact is, I hope they enjoy their 15 minutes of fame, because I'm going to tell you, I prognosticate that the Democrats are going to win landslides next year, and it may be a hell of a long time before Republicans get back in with this I sort so. of nonsense. We do not want dictatorship. I hope in the Senate, man. We're done with the, the lunatic fringe extremism, so fuck them and the horse they rode in on. They can go fuck Donald Trump as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. I don't care. <laughs> and with that in mind, let's do a quick break. Thank you, Stephen. We'll be right back in just a moment with your calls. Don't go anywhere. This is progress. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on. Because you know I love it when you do. I'm John Fugelsang. This is SiriusXM Progress, and we're taking your calls at 866-997-4748. Catherine in Florida, thank you so much for waiting on hold. You're on SiriusXM. Thank you for taking my call, Mr. John. I just Hi. have a quick uh, question about uh, maybe a point of law in the civil fraud 
case against Donald Please. Trump by Letitia James. Yes. Um, they keep stating that, you know, whether it's commercial or residential, Mar-a-Lago. And he keeps saying, no, no, it's a residence. But if he's a residence, does he have the uh, liquor license to sell out of a residence? So <laughs> could, could they possibly shut his club down because he's illegally selling alcohol without a proper license? Or wow. does that prove that it is a commercial property? Or that maybe his residence is a commercial property? I mean, I, I, I thought it was a cemetery. I don't know how they get around the dead bodies buried there. That's <laughs> remember, my whole issue. I remember this from the whole, from 2016, when this first came up. You have It's the other way around, the way the legality was supposed to be. Because it, it was a club, and he was supposed to never live there. And that That's was right. The, like that's that right. Was, that was the rule. And then they had to go out of their way after he was president. They basically made this dispensation in Palm Beach County. They changed their rules so that he could live there and have it as a club. <laughs> Why? It's well, almost anyway, like he's on I some just... legally shaky ground that he might have to pay for later. But, but, but <laughs> when he bought Mar-a-Lago, he had to pr- like basically promise to them that he was like never going to live there. It was only I remember that an You're event right. club. Well, I just dropped a quick email to Miss um, Letitia James's office and also to Glenn Kirshner, but they probably get 11 billion emails, so I didn't know if they'd see this. <laughs> so I was just curious as to what your your opinions were. I'll take any answers off the air. So, But you had, well, guys sure. have a great night. You're doing a great show. No, thank show. you. I mean, you so I'm pretty convinced it's not a residential property, and I also think it's funny he claimed it was worth six uh, between $600, and $1 billion, $600 million and $1 billion, except uh, it's worth, I think, $27 million. So, yeah. It's almost like that's what they're on trial for. What do you guys think? Is Mar-a-Lago a private club, a residential property, a retirement home, or a creepy cemetery? Your opinions will be binding. We will decide what the truth is. Let me go to Lisa in New Mexico. Hi, Lisa. Thank you for waiting on hold. You're on Sirius XM. Hi, John. Hey. What's up? So I've asked you this question before, but I must ask it again. Please. Have you seen... Him saying the most crazy nonsense anyone could say that would never get him elected, and he's doing it anyway. Why yeah. is he doing it? What is the end game? There has to be an end game. What is it? The end game is that he has a lot of money, a lot of charisma, and he's like a gigantic id wrapped in skin. Okay. The end game is that there's six inches of plaque around his heart, 91 criminal charges facing him. He probably owes $2 billion to Deutsche Bank. And this whole thing ends in some metaphorical way, like the last scene of Scarface. That's the end game for him. The end game for everybody else is being a hanger on and a flunky and a winged monkey in his circle trying to profit. And we've seen how well that's turned out for a lot of people. Anyone who's ever hitched their wagon to Donald Trump has either not been paid for their labor or gone to jail for their labor or been humiliated for their labor. And I mean, pretty much everybody. Why don't they learn? Because people are stupid. People are greedy. People are thirsty. People want, want, want. And weak people are drawn to weak people who pass themselves off as strong people. You've heard the expression, Donald Trump is a weak person's idea of a strong person. He's insanely weak. And think about the morality and the character of all these men who are blindly obedient to him. None of them, none of them are actually moral or leaders. They've traded in their manhood for blind obedience to a reality show landlord who stole from his dad's deathbed. I mean, he's just a douche. And so, you know, to me, it's just, 
Yes, he has a following. Have you woken up to the country you're in? McDonald's is our number one restaurant. People is our number one magazine. Yes. Fox is our number one news source. Yes. Welcome to where America is. One fifth of the way through the 20th first century. Okay, we're just fucked. We're just no, fucked. we're not fucked. We're not fucked. But the, the thing is, there's more of us than there are of them. There's always that. been more of us than there are of them. But all of us don't show up to fight all the time. All of us dream of a utopia where people are treated in a better way. And if our checklists aren't complete, a lot of us stay home or vote third party and let them have more power. That's just how. And I, Again, I have no problem voting third party in a safe blue or red state. But if you're in a swing state and you vote third party, you're voting to take women's rights away. I don't want to hear it. I, I, seriously, any of you guys in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin that really want to vote Jill Stein? Call me. I'll vote for her in my state. You can vote for Biden. We can vote swap just to appease your ego and your purity test and your love of the smell of your own farts. Jesus Christ. Being an adult is about compromise and and life is about choosing the lesser of two evils. I I don't want to vote for Joe Biden if he's still going to be giving a blank check to Israel and these bomb raids in in Gaza. But I really don't want the anti-Semite who hates Muslims being president. So I will hold my nose and vote for Joe Biden, even even if I'm mad at him for the other thing because donald trump's a lot worse for jews and muslims than joe biden on his worst day for real sorry got off on a rant there no you did i love it (laughs) okay (laughs) thank you so much i don't feel any better about anything have a great night well i feel better because you called the show and it's nice to talk to you we're at 866-997-4748 so the house passed this measure condemning the rise of anti-semitism uh, 311 to 14 with 92 Democrats voting present. It was kind of a mess. The GOP led this measure and it was designed for one reason to exploit the tensions between the House Democrats. That's it, because it had language that equated anti-Zionism with anti-Semitism. In other words, if you don't necessarily believe in that, that Israel is the home state for Jews, if you don't necessarily believe that Jews are supposed to go live in Israel, then you hate Jews. Which to me, in and of itself, is an anti-Semitic Jew-hating statement. But this was all about trying to needle the progressives in the Democratic Party who are critical of the conservative Israeli government and the moderates. And, and again, that's why they objected. Jerry Nadler, Dan Goldman, and Jamie Raskin, they're all Jewish, and they all told their colleagues to vote present to protest this cynical attempt to drive a wedge within their caucus disguised as caring about Jewish people. Congresswoman Becca Ballant of Vermont voted present and said this is another case of the majority using the real fears of many Jewish Americans to sow political divisions. Democrats, you did it right this time. Well done. Lisa in New Mexico. Welcome. You're on Sirius XM. No, we just we just talked. We just I'm so sorry. I meant to say Catherine in Florida. That's why I wanted to talk to you. Welcome, Catherine. We just talked to her. We just talked to Catherine in Florida. That's what I, I meant to say that. My God, I'm used to these screens being the different way. David in Nevada. That's what I meant to say, because he wants to talk about a woman. Nikki Haley. Hi, David. Hey, how's it going there, Brother John? Good. How are you, sir? Good, good. You know, I gave you the moniker, John, the true serum for Fugelstein. I'm taking John, the what Fugelstein? What's that? John the Truth Serum. Remember, I would always call oh, that's you right. John you're, the Truth you're Serum. Taking, you're, you're taking that away? I'm taking that away. You are now the monarch of monologue. Okay. So, I prefer to think of myself as the, the, the twisted dictator of monologue, but I'll take monarch. Thank you. Okay. Hey, 
you know, lately I've been hearing a lot of stuff about people talking about, oh, Nikki Haley's a threat. Uh, if Trump isn't and they give it Nikki, wait a minute. Yeah, she's a threat. She's a threat to free will. She's a threat to women's <laughs> rights. She's a threat to uh, child poverty, the elderly, the mentally yeah. handicapped infrastructure, yeah. unless she's getting paid from corporate America on governmental contracts. She's yeah. a threat to union workers. This woman Preach. had no type of policy when she was a governor. So stop worrying about Nikki Haley. Biden, I'm not crazy about things with the Middle East. I'm not crazy about a lot of the choices he made. But like yeah. you, hey, I have to hold my nose and say, you know what? It's hmm. a very easy choice. It's a, it's a yeah, very easy choice exactly. for me. I, I've never now, voted for a president in my life who I enthusiastically agreed with about everything. I mean, I've, I've always just said, oh, this, this this one's better than that one. That's always been it for me. I don't need to have a rock star hero in my life. I'm voting for a public servant who works for me. Exactly. That's just like what you said just a few minutes ago. I'm not crazy about him with uh, uh, Israel and a 14 or 15 billion. No, uh-uh, no. All he need to tell Netanyahu is this. If I'm the president, do. If you think I'm finna be, cooperate with you and give you $14 billion plus war, weapons of war to go and bomb innocent men, women, and children, yeah. Yeah. you're crazy. Now, uh, what I'll do is this. You want some money? Give me my fucking two-state solution. Okay, you're going <laughs> to set your ass down here. You're yeah. going to do a two-state solution because you know what? I'm, as the president of the American people and of this country, I can't go to my people and tell them I gave you $15 billion and make us co-conspirators in genocide. You can forget that shit. Mm -hmm. That's just how that goes. So you're going to sit down here. And as president, if I have to personally go to the U.N. with the resolution for a two state solution to give the Palestinian people what is rightfully theirs and you may keep what is rightfully yours over in Israel, we are going to make the solution. If you don't want to do that, nothing, dude, you got indictments on you. I'm not going to give you. 14, 15 billion that you're going to scam a couple billion off for yourself. Preach. Preach. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. As the president of the United States of America, I can't. I'm not Donald Trump, motherfucker. I'm not a fool. <laughs> how do I vote for you? I just, how, how do I vote for you? Can I just do a write in? <laughs> if you wish, but that's how it has to go. So, I hear you. you know, like I said, monarch of monologue, you keep kicking it. Because what you said on Tommy Tuberville, go ask the people of Alabama that you supposedly represent. What the fuck have you gave the citizens Boom. of Alabama? Boom. Exactly. He persecuted women who wanted abortions. That's all a lot of them want. You know, that's all a lot of them want. Thank you so much for the call, man. I really do appreciate it. And again, I do think and this is something liberals don't take into consideration. I do think that Biden is actively waiting to see if Netanyahu is even there come New Year's. It seems that they're waiting to find out who the next prime minister is going to be. But pretty soon it's going to be time for this guy to say, this has got to stop. I mean, what's going to satisfy people? You're never going to get all of the Hamas terrorists. And they are all terrorist Nazis. 20,000 civilians dead? 25? 30? We want to know your thoughts. We'll be right back on Progress.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm John Fugelsang. We're at 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT. Let's uh, let's get back to our calls. Y'all been waiting on hold for quite a while. Stephen in New Mexico, thank you so much for waiting. You're on progress. Oh, may talk with you, you see. Hey, welcome. Good to see you. Good to talk to you, Brother John. Hello, Chris. <laughs> uh, I'm 116th Cherokee, y'all. Uh, that's what we all think. I, I thought I was 116th Cherokee, and then I did a 23andMe. <laughs> I haven't done that yet, but uh, my grandmother well, watch was born out. in 1888, and I, I don't think she'd lie to me. <laughs> Uh, listen, my granduncle swore to me about the, the full-blooded Cherokee and then uh, wound up not being the case. So I'm just saying, watch out. You, sometimes you find out you're even whiter than you thought you were when you take those things. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I, I'm close enough to, to that thought that, uh, that you know, I've, uh, I've pursued doing ceremony with uh, uh, Native people here in Taos, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy about that. And I've got to say, you know, uh, if you really want to understand what's happening in Israel and Palestine, uh, just just look at the map uh, over the years of Palestine and how it just slowly disappeared one acre at a time until there was nothing left except the uh, Trail of Tears that took them to Oklahoma. Yep. Well, yep. I, what I'm talking about is a similarity between what happened to the Cherokee and Georgia. Oh, I get and it. And what has happened to the Palestinians. Yeah, I get it. And it's even more, I mean, I find it to be even more complex than that, because you can make the arguments historically that Palestinians and Israelis are both indigenous to that region. Uh, and uh, both Semitic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Jesus, you know, can, I keep saying, like, if, if, if God or Allah or Jehovah wanted anybody dead, he'd smite them himself. He's not smiting anybody. But I just, I'm sorry to be this person. Go ahead. Well, because I, I completely agree with Stephen's sentiment, but all of the land where they were concessions from, from uh, treaties that ended wars when they were invaded by neighboring nations. That's, that's right. Mm-hmm. In, 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 in the case of, yeah. 1967, the case of- 1973. Mm-hmm. I was listening to a rabbi from New York the other day, and he was talking about Zionism. I was shocked to hear you say that uh, uh, Biden has called himself a Zionist. Biden called himself a Zionist in the White House on Monday night. Yeah, he said you don't have to be Jewish to be a Zionist. I was listening to a rabbi out of New York the other day. I, I wrote his name down, but I, I'm 
I'm not sure I found it here. He considers Zionism uh, anti-Semitic. I know this is the debate. I mean, there are those who there are those who believe that the concept of owning land is anti-Jewish. I mean, it's not for me to say, but you know, the the big the big complaint was that the Republicans put out this measure last week that a lot of Democratic Jews uh, voted present on, where they said that Zionism and being Jewish were the same thing, and that anti-Zionism was anti-Semitism, and all, this is why all the Democratic Jews refused to vote on it. Mm, crazy, crazy. crazy yeah. And you know, this, this, this comment, this statement, uh, this meme uh, from the river to the sea, I've been told that that meme has its origin with Zionism in the 50s. Both Jews and Israel, both Jews and and uh, and and um, um, Palestinians believe it. I mean, it's just it's across the board. They all think it's their land, and yeah, God is not weighing in on this. And it seems like God, he or she, wants them to share it in peace. Seems like that. That seems to be way the way the Almighty's coming down on this. It's well, part of there's what, another similarity of, between the American experience and what's happening there. It sounds suspiciously like uh, Manifest Destiny, doesn't it? Exactly. Chris, please go ahead. Jump in. Well, I was just going to say that that the fact that they both have that shared sentiment and that phrase in their histories is what makes the idea of a two-state solution um, um, very difficult. And, you know, I I think the idea of a two-state solution is a very Western idea, if you want to call it, you could call it, because we're so detached from it. But uh, a two-state, two states in in that region doesn't have much support in Gaza, in the West Bank, or in Israel. Oh, I know. It's either all or nothing on both sides of the coin. And I know it. that's what makes all of this so difficult. And well, what's the I other option? I see it as Zionist uh, versus Hamas, you know? Yeah, I guess that's one way of looking at it. I mean, I just look on it as, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's overlanded. It's so stupid and it's killed so yes. many people and it's taken up so much blood for so many years and it needs to stop. I'm sick of it. I, I've said this before. People are sick of me saying it, but this peace negotiation should be carried out by Palestinians and Israelis who are under the ages of 40 because they're the ones who are going to have to live with it. No old men should be making this peace. It should be young people. They get to live by it. Yeah, yeah, they, they, it's their future. <laughs> That's it, man. Thank you so much for the call. I really appreciate hearing from you. Have a great evening. We're at 866-997-4748. Let me, I want to get to a lot of people. Let's go to Al in L.A. Al, welcome. You're on Progress. Hey, good evening. I, I, I can't, I don't know if you planned it this way, but the the two topics blend in perfect. Um, and, okay. you know, the caller that you had on right before your, your two guests, Sarah from Brooklyn. Just, yeah, I hope she's still listening. She is a huge part of the problem. They, these people, they don't know the history. And you, 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 you kind of, you know, cornered her there. They don't know. They're totally ignorant of the history of the situation. And you know what? Your two guests, really, if you want to underline everything they were saying, they're basically saying people learn your history yeah. you know that history has been whitewashed uh for the natives and same thing um the, the um i love uh, I, I am a dual citizen canadian and american and mm-hmm. in canada they you know they've made 
somewhat good strides in acknowledging land acknowledgements and so on and so forth to the natives, to the Aboriginal people. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's some of it's happening in the States. But the bottom line is, and, I, and Sarah, I hope you're listening and anyone like her who wants to, you know, just make horrific statements and not remember what happened on October 7th, the slaughter, the innocent slaughter that ended a ceasefire. Need I remind you, there was a ceasefire until October 7th. And well, you know what? I, I mean, it all, it I mean all... this war has been going on for a long, long time, and they were still suffering going on, even though it was during what you call a ceasefire. But go on, please. I agree. I will agree. And, you know, if you ask half of Israel is divided, half would would love a, a two-state solution when their former leader almost had the peace agreement that Yasser Arafat, you know, could have, could have, this all could have ended then, but he turned oh, it down at the very last minute. But now, I'll also now, always, really be, I'll always believe, if, I'll always believe if Ariel Sharon had not gone into a coma, we would have had a two-state solution back maybe during the Obama administration. I think so. But really, my, my main point, I know there's so much, you've touched on so much, but I want to say to all of those, you know, that, that you know, think they have a, the right opinion and, and, and just want to whitewash what happened. Number one, learn your history. Number two, if the Hamas would surrender, and why don't we talk about this, John? Why aren't you talking about it? The, the hostages. Release the hostages, and you'll I see literally, <laughs> I literally talked about it in the every hour I've been on the air tonight. Okay, good. I I might have missed that out, but you know what? It like, hey, that's the release the hostages. We can start talking about a ceasefire, and also I, I I'll end on this note because I could talk for hours on this. It's okay. To all my American and Canadian friends who want to talk about the land and and who occupation and so on and so forth, you know what I say to them. You give back your land to the aboriginals. You're you're just a bunch of hypocrites. Everyone that's listening right now, if you're not willing to sell your house today and give it back to the original people of this uh, uh, continent, the First Nations, the aboriginals, you're a bunch of hypocrites. Don't be telling the Israelis and, and even the Palestinians or whatever. You have no right to talk about giving back land when you're living on stolen land. So I just want to say... They are all hypocrites, and I don't want to hear their arguments. If they're not willing to do that, they have no leg to stand on, really. Thanks for calling. Have a great evening. Appreciate hearing from you. We're at 866-997-4748. Dave from Mount Vernon, Washington. Thank you so much for waiting on hold. You're on progress. Hello, Dave. Hi. Yeah, I was just calling up. I was going to talk to your earlier guest, just saying for future reference, they said they had a, uh, trouble in the past to getting their land and mineral rights from the Indian Affairs Department. And mm-hmm. I'm just wondering what the latest was on that. Oh, I mean, it, it varies. Like right now, I mean, and Julie, as a Canadian, is waiting on uh, a, a massive historic settlement that the Canadian government's been promising First Nations people in Canada uh, where they will get land uh, or some kind of... I. I I want to call it reparations. Um, I'm so sorry that we didn't get to your call during their segment, but they'll be back next week. If you want to call in, they can address anything you have very specifically. They're both very nice people. Yeah, that was just, you know, just putting that up for discussion, how just the government owes a lot of people a lot of money and they're not paying. Yeah, 
I'll tell you, this country's got two open wounds that have always been there, and it's the treatment of African-American slaves, and it's the treatment of the indigenous people who are here first, and I don't think America's going to ever have a chance to be a healthy, thriving, whole nation until we make it right with the descendants of the people that our ancestors abused and stole from and brutalized. I just feel like this is America's moral IQ test, and I'd love to see us be part of the generation that began to try to make it right. You can say hey, I'm a dreamer, a but I'm not the only call. one. Thank you for making your call. I appreciate hearing from you. We gotta go. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Thea. Uh, what a great show we had tonight. We'll be back again for some more tomorrow. This is SiriusXM Progress. Peace. Peace.